But Isaiah 38, verse 1, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. So this isn't just a flu here, you know, some kind of bad condition. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, Amos came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Well, everybody likes the word of the Lord, but sometimes, sometimes uh, it's not what you really necessarily wanted to hear. I mean, I know it's one thing for the doctors to say you're not going to live, but it's another thing for God to say you're not going to live. So um, this is, this is a, a case where, I mean, if you read the whole story, Hezekiah turned his face. He heard this and he turned his, Bible said he turned his face to the wall. Remember that? And he prayed. If you look at the whole account, boy, if we had time, we could just look at a whole lot of things that are powerful here. But he turned his face to the wall. And uh, in fact, the very next verse says it. He turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And he, he talked to God and talks about what he said to God. And then the, the Bible gives us record of his healing. Uh, the Bible, and there's other accounts of this as well and other places in the Bible. But uh, but then he gives a testimony of sorts about how he thought because of what God had said that he wasn't going to live out his life. He thought, uh, you know, he, his life was going to be cut off like a weaver's beam. Now, that just, that's how they would weave clothes back or weave fabric back then. And then they would cut it off at the end, you know. He was, gonna say, he was saying, my life looks like it's going to be cut off like that. Um, but actually, he said... Uh, he, the Lord had cast his sin behind his back because he had repented of some things. Uh, if you read the whole account, uh, he, he, really, he really got some things. He, he adjusted some things. And Isaiah, the prophet, didn't even get out of the courtyard. If you read the whole account, he must have stopped to talk to some people or something because there is a little bit of prayer time here that Hezekiah had to have. But he didn't even get out of the courtyard and God spoke to him and said, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. He said, tell Isaiah, I've seen his tears, I've heard his prayers, and I'm going to add to his life 15 years. Looks like God changed his mind, but God wasn't telling him that this had to be this way. Set your house in order that you're going to die and not live. He wasn't telling him he had to be that way. Because how many of you know, if God, if God tells somebody that something like that's going to happen, they can go to the Word and say, well, Jesus redeemed me from sickness and premature death. So it's not that he's saying it has to be this way. He's saying under the circumstances. Under the present condition, circumstances, this is the way it's going to go. But you can change it. Because my word says, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. David had lived before Hezekiah and had written that, that that was part of the covenant. And Psalm 91 includes it as part of the covenant. You know, Psalm 91 is where it says, with long life, I'll satisfy thee and show thee my, my salvation. That's part of our covenant. Long life, dying prematurely is not the plan of God for our lives. But here's Hezekiah. God come and said that that's going to happen. But you can, if God says something like that, you can go to the word and see whether it's his will or not. And so Isaiah knew enough of the word to actually say God, and, and he approached God this way. If you read the whole account, which I don't want to take time to tonight because we 
got some things we're going to share here tonight. But if you read the whole account, he basically got some things right. Yeah. And he did, verse 1, yeah. set your house in order. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you get that? Set your house in order. Yes, <laughs> and, and he basically went to God and said, all right, I hear what you're saying by the Spirit. What do I have to do to change this? He didn't say, well, I guess it's just going to be that way because God said that. He actually went back to the written word and said, no, it's written with long life. I'll satisfy thee. So this is not God saying it has to be this way. He's saying if you change some things, you can live long under the circumstances. This is the way it's going to be. But, but you can change this. Amen. How many of you know God will sometimes bear witness with you that somebody's not going to live? But, yeah. but in other people's lives, you can't change that. Right. Yeah. Right. Come on. Yeah. But if it's in your life, or if it's me for me, if it's in my life, I can change that. Getting God's best is not always just pull this faith lever and push this button. Sometimes it's make some changes. So I want to talk about this first verse here. Set your house in order. Set, notice how the word of the Lord came. Set your house in order. Yes. Now, now, what? okay, so he turned into the wall and prayed. Yeah. So, and Isaiah didn't even get out of the courtyard, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, go back in there, talk to him again, say, say I've, I've seen his prayers. Yes. In other words, I, he got this right. Yeah. He got whatever it was. We don't know what it was. How many of you are glad God doesn't put all your sin out there publicly for everybody to see? And God, in this case, didn't put Hezekiah's sin out there for everybody to see. There are times God does share, share people's sin in the Bible. But, you know, God's not trying to embarrass us. But there are times that, that uh, some things need to be talked over with God. And so it says, set your house in order. Notice Isaiah never did a thing. To set his natural house in, the or, in order. So whenever he set his house in order, it was a spiritual house that he set in order. He, spent, he set some spiritual things in order. He got some things that weren't right between him and God back in order. Can you see that? How many of you can see that? Set your house in order. He didn't do a thing to put anything in order in the natural, but he did, he did put some things in order in his spirit. In other words, whatever God's, what do you mean put some things in order? What's, God's talk, what's God talking to us about? What's the Spirit of God dealing with us about? Well, it seems like it's not connected to anything like what I, where my need is over here. Well, that's, that, that's because your seamer's broken. If God's dealing with you about it, it is, it is connected to every other thing in your life. Because it's something that affects your spirit. And your spirit affects, the condition of your spirit between you and God affects everything else in life. It affects your faith, which affects everything else in life. It affects your fellowship with God, which affects you getting the light and direction you need. Am I making any sense tonight? So he said, set your house in order because you're going to surely die. He didn't do anything in the natural to set his house in order. But um, he did set his spiritual house in order. So what do we see here then is that when things get put back in place spiritually, it can affect natural things. How many of you can see that? Amen. 
So when we, we deal with these issues that God's talking to our heart about. Now don't tell me God's not talking to your heart about something. He's talking to, he's talking to me about something all the time. I don't mean I hear a voice, but I mean I'm talking, God's dealing with my heart. He's dealing with my heart about uh, distractions. Amen. He's dealing with my heart about love walk. He's dealing with my heart about a lot of things. Priorities. Cutting off distractions. Amen. <laughs> I saw, I guess it's a cartoon. I don't know what you call it, a cartoon. But uh, uh, I guess some Christians put it out. There was some people, a man behind a man in a chair laying hands on him. And, and he was bent over. And out of his mouth were coming all these symbols of all the social media platforms. <laughs> <clears throat> Some of you are thinking about it. <laughs> he was being delivered <laughs> from all the distractions. You get it? The Facebook symbol was coming out of his mouth. The YouTube symbol was coming out of his mouth. I don't know why I keep thinking about that tonight, but I just, I just say it. What's he dealing with you about? That's right. That's right. Amen. Set, set that in order. Get set that in order. If he's dealing with you about something, that's because he's saying, in order for me to take you further, I've got to get this in order. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's awfully quiet in here tonight. Y'all were shouting and laughing and having a good time a while ago, right? So when things get put back in order, when, when, what we see here is Hezekiah never got... He prayed, and he prayed, but, but it wasn't a prayer necessarily for healing, per se. It was getting some things right. Amen. And look at verse number 20. The Lord was, this is after he was healed and he's given his testimony. The Lord was ready to save me. The word save could have been translated healed. Look at that. The Lord was ready to save me. In other words, he was Je God was Jehovah Jireh before Hezekiah was born. He was Jehovah Jireh the day he was born. He was Jehovah Jireh his whole life. He was Jehovah Jireh the day that Isaiah came in and said, set your house in order because you're going to die. He was Jehovah Jireh that day. He's Jehovah Jireh. No, I said Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha is what I'm trying to say. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Every one of his days, he was Jehovah Rapha. That's the Lord that heals thee. Amen. And the day that the prophet came in, set your house in order, you're going to die. God was Jehovah Rapha that day, just as much as he was always Jehovah Rapha. Yes. And is still Jehovah Rapha today. Yes, that's right. That's right. Amen. But Hezekiah had cut that off. Not God. God was ready to heal him the whole time. Do you see that? But what did Hezekiah have to do? He had to... Uh, Stop going blah, 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 blah. To whatever it was God had been dealing with him about. And whenever he, he faced the wall, he turned his face to the wall. What do you see when you face the wall? Well, you really see nothing. But what the point is, he's talking, talking about turning away from everything that distracts. Amen. Sometimes people get confused about these things and they say, well, you know, this person got into this trouble and that trouble, and so, uh, and then they got back to God in the middle of that, and, and so God had done that to him to get his attention. No, God didn't do that to get his attention. He opened the door to the devil, 
And the devil smacked him. And there's a lot of people, some people at least anyway, that whenever they're in trouble, they turn to God. But God didn't do that to get them to turn to God. But he will take advantage of the opportunity if somebody turns to God. And Hezekiah must have been just kind of coasting along thinking, well, listen, I mean, I know God's dealing with me about this, but hey, everything's fine. Everything, everything's going good. Look at, it. Look at me. I'm doing great, prospering and healthy and so forth and so on. Wham. And he goes, whoa. Doc, how bad is it? You, you won't live. And then the prophet himself comes in and says, you're not going to live. Now, that'll get your attention. So he got serious. He turned away everything else. He said, God, you've been talking to me about this. And I got to get this right. God said, I saw it. I saw it. I heard, I heard that. I heard that. Tells the prophet, go back in and tell him he'll live another 15 years. Are we making any sense tonight? But he didn't do anything natural. He did something. He took care of some spiritual business. You ever heard of that term, set your house in order? What does that mean? It means to respond to the dealings of the Holy Spirit that are working in you that, once, that, that, that he keeps talking to you about. Anybody ever had the Lord talk to you about something? <clears throat> okay. Okay. Raise your hand if the Lord's talking to you about something right now. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what it is. For me, I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You tell me and then I'll tell you what mine is, right? I'm not, but we're, but we're, 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 it's him working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's a working and he's a working. And right now it might seem like, man, God, you're being hard on me. But he's saying, I'm protecting you in the future for what's coming. And I got to get you in the place to where these spiritual issues are dealt with. Because in the, in the next level of where you're going, the devil would take advantage of that. And he would get into your life and he would take you out. I remember years ago, back, back in my 20s, the Lord spoke to me about an issue and I wasn't responding to him. He said, all right. He said, you've gone as far as you can go in my plan in the ministry until you deal with that. Well, that got my attention. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So I know Pastor Debbie can tell you more details than I can, but God, had, she had had friends kept dealing with her or talking to her about coming to what was the Youth for Christ. And uh, she kept saying, you know, she, she, had, she, she was sort of living in the flesh. Living, she wasn't living for God at the time. And finally, the Lord spoke to her one day, something to the effect, if you don't go tonight, because they invited her to one of the meetings, if you don't go tonight, what did he say? It's, it's dangerous or something? You weren't going to live. Well, I don't know. Why is it that we sometimes just kind of bebop along until... I'm not accusing her. I mean, we've all done that. Well, um, that's not God mad at us. That's him trying to protect us. He's trying to say, I'm trying to keep you in the territory where Satan can't get to you. God wasn't going to kill her. The devil was going to come for her. And she had kept opening the door. And it was his mercy telling her. Telling her how to keep that from happening. This is God's mercy telling Hezekiah right here that he's going to die. He's trying to get his attention. Yeah, she had other friends that had passed away. Some of, some of the things she's getting into is kind of a crazy world, you know. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Set your house in order. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying to some of us. Set your house in order. What's he dealing with us about? 
Let's just think about a few things. Would that be all right? I'm not going to go into detail with all these, but um, this could be unresolved uh, relationship issues with people. Things that you've treated somebody wrong about. You know what I'm talking about? Or somebody's treated you wrong about and you're holding unforgiveness against them. You know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to get you to respond a little bit. That's why I keep saying, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, it could be unfinished business in relationships, something like that. It could be, um, you know, uh, dealings of the Spirit of God that have to do with His plan for our life. It could be matters of conscience. I know the Lord talked to me recently about something and said, don't keep overriding your conscience on that. And it seems so, I wouldn't say small, but it seems so not a big issue. You know what I'm talking about? Other people would probably go, Puh. but see, I can't afford to live like other people. There's too much in me. The devil wants to try to take it out. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just saying there's some, there's some of you like that too. So, so, I mean, matters of conscience. Don't override your conscience on that. What's the conscience? The conscience is the voice of your own spirit. And your own spirit picks things up from the Holy Ghost. Uh, Romans 9.1 says this. He said, I, I say the truth in Christ, lie not. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. His conscience was passing on to him what his conscience, what his own spirit was picking up from the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost in you will pass things, <clears throat> excuse me, pass things on to your spirit, yeah. and then your conscience will pass it on to you. Yeah. What's the conscience? It's the voice of your human spirit. It's not the voice of the Holy Spirit, but it is many things. If you read the Bible very closely, Paul always followed his conscience. And everything that we have in the New Testament about the born-again person's conscience, we're instructed to follow our conscience. Yeah, but so-and-so doesn't seem to have that conviction. Well, you're not so-and-so. And maybe God's plan for so-and-so doesn't require the kind of lifestyle that, it, that you're, you're, the plan God has for you calls for. You'll not stand before them and give an account. You'll stand before the Lord and give an account. So other people's business is their business. Amen. But my business is my business. And I got to keep my house in order. Praise the Lord. So... Um, so it could be personal relationships. It could be uh, things, uh, you know, the affairs of life that uh, God's dealing with you about. It might be, you know, something about uh, the way you treat money. It could be the way you treat your body. It could be so many different things. Yeah. I, you, we, it's no use going through like the thousand different things that, it's, that we could probably all talk about here tonight. <laughs> And you might say, well, this, what's the big deal? The big deal is God's trying to keep us in the territory where Satan can't get to us. Like, like he's getting to Hezekiah here. Like he's getting to Hezekiah. Amen? And so, um, we, we've, what he's talking about is very similar. This, this concept of setting a house in order. Very similar to 1 Corinthians 11. Verse number, I think it's 28, 29, somewhere down through there, down through verse 31. He talks about judge, Christians judging themselves. Right. You know what that means? That means looking in the mirror and say, that's ugly, but that's you, and that's not going to happen anymore. That's my way of saying yes, judging ourselves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've had to do that. I've had to do it recently. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, you, you, you stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, 
I've never had to do that. Well, it'd be a good day to start. <laughs> Come on, seriously. Yeah. It'd be a good day to start. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you. Uh, uh, so praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, um, I was meditating. The Lord started talking to me about this the other day. And uh, he said to me, this is what, set, set, set your house in order, judging yourself, so forth and so on, is what is part of what I was saying to you whenever I told you, go, to, to go tell my people I'm coming soon, tell them to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're talking about uh, judging ourselves so that, that we stay in the place where the full blessings of God in this life, in this life, are manifested. But how many of you know there's a day we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account at the judgment seat of Christ? And he told me when he called me, go tell my people I'm coming soon. And then later he said, go tell them to get ready. Yes. Get ready for what? To get ready to stand before him and give an account. Because yes. when he comes, we're out of here. We've got to stand before him and give an account. Yeah. Yeah. Does that ever think, is that ever something you think about? Should be. I know the older I get, the more I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I didn't think much about it. Right. You know, I thought I was going to live forever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I will. And I mean, not in this flesh, but, yeah. you know, but I'm talking about... Yeah. I, I won't, I, I've got a, there's coming a day that all my days I'm going to give an account for it. Huh. Wow. That changes your perspective. But we need to think of that now. And the Lord said to me, he said, he was talking to me about this, set your house in order and so forth. He said, that's what I was talking about when I said, tell my people I'm coming soon, tell them to get ready. In other words, set your house in order. You're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. Well, thank God we can do that. I don't want to hear well. I want to hear well done. I don't want to only hear well. Right, right. That's right. That's right. Glory to God. Some of you just got that. I don't want to hear well. Praise the Lord. All right. So um, look at the, let's look at this phrase. Set your house in order. How about... And here we know it's his spiritual house because that's the only thing he, he did. He, he set some spiritual things in order. I'm looking for the verse that says he, God, he talked about God's casting all his sin behind his back here in Isaiah uh, 38. I've been looking for it while I've been preaching. It's right in there somewhere. Verse 17. Um, yeah, the last statement, thou hast cast all my sin behind thy back. So there was some things he had to deal with. There were some things he got right. Why did God cast his sin behind his back? Because he had repented of some yeah. things. Yeah. There's something in there that he got right, he had yes. to repent for. Yes. Amen. We don't know what it was. Thank yeah. God. It's yeah. not necessary for us to know. But in our life, we just need to know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when it comes to this issue, this sets your house in order, it could be anything in your spiritual house. It could be anything concerning things that God has spoken to you about. It could be walking in the light of the word that you've heard. You know, it's not okay. Brother Hagin said there was a man came to him after service one time and said, after he had he'd been in this church preaching for a while, numbered services, and this man came to him, man, I'd hate to be you. What do you mean I'd hate to be? He said, don't you know you're responsible for all that you preach? And Brother Hagin said, I'd hate to be you. He said, what do you mean me? He said, don't you know you're responsible for everything I preach? See, people, they just kind of, you know, just kind of like, like, well, I'm not a preacher, so, you know, I'm not responsible for all that. 
Well, God didn't, say, God didn't entrust the word to you to just say, okay, go do your own thing. No, this, this is, he, he's calling us to live in the line of the word. Praise the Lord. Say, oh, me or amen or something. Say, mercy me, say something. Praise God. So how about, you know, any of these issues that God's dealing with us about? How about his plan for our lives? How about the things he's been dealing with, with, with us about concerning our priorities? And I'll tell you one that God deals with me about a lot, and that's distractions. Amen. Um, how about um, things he's given you stewardship over? You know, we're stewards over our own bodies. Uh, we're stewards over our own thought life. We're stewards over our finances. We're stewards over our time. We're stewards over our attention. If God's given us a, a responsibility and helps ministry, we're stewards over that. We're stewards over our attitudes. Do you feel the conviction on that one? <laughs> Amen. We're stewards over our assignment in life. We're stewards over how we're raising our children. Yeah. That is all something we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for. Well, this is going over like a lead balloon, but I'm going to keep on preaching it. Everything he's given us steward over. How about our love walk? How about our love walk? That's a part of our spiritual house. I've, I've seen, uh, I, I know a story, Brother Hagin tells this story about a, uh, a lady. She came to camp meeting, to sit in camp meeting all week one year. Uh, his, his camp meeting, he had a camp meeting every year in July. And uh, this lady, she, Brother Hagin said, if you're going to have hands laid on you, come to the morning services, you know, and get the word into you some before you have hands laid on you. So she was going to all the services. And one of the ministers, I think it was Charles Capps or somebody, in the morning was preaching on Mark 11, 23 and 24. And one day he got off <laughs> and got down to verse 25. <laughs> you know, it talks about, and when you stand praying, forgive. Yeah. If you have ought. Yeah. Ought means anything. Yeah. Anything means anything. Yeah. Anything means big, little, medium size, yeah. large, puny, whatever. Anything. Yes. If you have awe. Anything yes. against anybody. Yes. When you stand praying, he's, he just talked about prayer, praying the, pray, praying the prayer of faith in verse 23 and 24. Or 20, 24. And uh, he said, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have any brother. I believe it was Charles Capps got off on that, talking about forgiveness, forgiving people. Yes. And how that, you know, faith works by love. And, you know, Galatians 5, 6 and so forth. Or 6, 5. And so he's preaching on that. And she's sitting there listening to that. And she realized, well, you know, because she had some sort of condition. It wasn't terminal. But I, from what I remember, it wasn't terminal. But it was incurable. And um, she's listening to that. And, she's, and, and the Spirit of God started dealing with her about a falling out she had had with her brother. I don't remember what it was over. Maybe inheritance or something. But years before that, uh, a falling out she had had with yeah. him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the word, it's good to sit under the word because the word, Hebrews tells, tells us that it's a sharp two-edged sword dividing asunder between soul and spirit. It's a revealer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We can go along just clipping along, just bebopping, thinking we're doing all right until we sit under the word a little bit. And we're like, hee hee, I'm not all that in a bag of chips right now. 
But we thought we were before we heard the word because it's a revealer. So he, she said under the word and it revealed some things that she had been carrying in her spirit. See, that's a, unforgiveness is a spiritual thing. It's something a person's holding in, against somebody in their spirit. And Jesus said some of the strongest words about unforgiveness in that, in that area than he said about any other sin. It's a pretty serious deal. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty serious deal. Yeah. He even said, if you don't forgive your brother, I can't forgive you. Well, she's sitting there hearing all that. I don't know what all he said at that service, but she's convicted in her heart about a falling out she had had with her brother years before. I think it had been decades before, if I remember right. And she's sitting there and she's saying, well, I see that. I see that. I, I'm going to I'm have to get that right. I want to get in the healing line. I'm going to have to get that right for my faith to work. That's not God saying, I'm not going to answer your prayers if you don't forgive. That's actually, it's a, it's a real good verse in 1 Peter 3, verse number 7, 8, and down through there. It talks about husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. God didn't, that verse didn't say God won't answer your prayers. He said you hindered your prayers. Hezekiah didn't pray the prayer of faith for healing here. That prayer was hindered. There's another kind of prayer he had to pray. It's called just turn your face to the wall and talk this thing over with God. What do I need to do here? There's something, there's something out of line. There's something. That, what can I change? It's a different kind of prayer. It's a supplication prayer. So, so uh, he, he got some things worked through with God. I'm, getting things worked out with God is good. Yes. Good. Everybody needs a good come to Jesus moment every now and then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come to Jesus moment. So, uh, but this lady, she, she realized in this meeting, Brother Higgins' camp meeting, that she's going to have to deal with this. So she, she goes back to her room and I guess had lunch or something. And, and back then they had, you know, we didn't have cell phones. She had you know, go, go to a pay phone or go to the hotel and call him or something. So she called him and, you know, of course, he's surprised to hear from her. They hadn't talked for, yeah. but I think if I remember right, it was decades, a couple decades. <clears throat> and so uh, she said, hi, this is your sister. Oh, she said, or he said, uh, just thinking about you too. I'm glad you called. Well, uh, what were you going to call me about? Well, you tell me what you were going to call about. <laughs> <laughs> See, God was working on both ends of this thing. So she said, well, I'm at the camp meeting and I've had some condition, you know, physical conditions in my body. I'm at a camp meeting out here in Tulsa and uh, I just realized I'm going to have to get this right. You and I, <clears throat> you know, whatever, had a falling out. I guess she told about, it, you know, they both knew it. <clears throat> but so um, he, she said, but I'm just calling to ask you to forgive me. He said, well, he said, really, it was my fault. I asked you to, God was working on both of their ends. And she said, well, no, really, it was my fault. <laughs> and they finally agreed both of them will take 50% of the responsibility. <laughs> but so they got it right and uh, said, I want to come, I'm going to come in town. I want to see you. And, you know, got reacquainted about how, you know, contact information, all that. So, so um, she's, she hung up. She's, you probably heard this story, but it is good to hear it again. And she laid down across the bed, just clear in her conscience, ready to get in the, I think the healing line was that night. And she was going to 
take a nap. She took a nap and got up and getting ready. And the symptoms were all gone. There wasn't any sense. She, did, she didn't even have to get in the healing line. Did she address? Okay, now let, now let me say something that uh, could, you could misunderstand, but let me say it. Just and then I'll clarify it. Notice that medicine didn't cure that. I'm not preaching against medicine. Notice that changing her diet didn't cure that. Notice, see, those are all things in the natural realm. Notice that getting more exercise didn't cure that. Now, am I saying that to preach against that? No. I'm saying that to say all these natural things wouldn't have cured it, but addressing spiritual issues cured it. You know what that tells me? Some things are because of spiritual issues. Maybe not everything. Maybe not everything. You understand that. But because there's a natural side to life too, right? But yet we see this in the scriptures that there is a spiritual root to things that are happening in the, in the natural realm sometimes. I'm not saying that we should all just say, well, there's, there's always a cause. Well, there is always a cause in the sense that there's one of three reasons Christians are sick. Number one, they just don't know what belongs to them. That's not wrong per se. They just don't know. Right? So how can you believe for something you don't know is yours? Number two, they know what belongs to them, but they, don't, they haven't developed their faith to receive it. That's right. Come on. Right? Yep. And number three, disobedience. Yep. Every Christian is sick for one of those three reasons. Mm-hmm. Now, before you, you know, you say, well, are you trying to condemn us? Well, I've been in, all, I've been in one of all three of those in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But I don't live near as sick as I used to. In fact, I don't live sick at all. I, I, I don't live sick. I've been attacked from time to time, but I get it off of me. If I don't get it off of me, I find out, okay, where am I not making my connection? You know what I'm talking about? Because there's, there's listen, can I just say this? The statistics of sickness in the church is not supposed to be the same as in the world. We're redeemed. I mean, if I was living sick, I'd get in the carpet. Now, you know what I mean? In the carpet. I'd get my nose in the carpet and find out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me one time, and this is way back in healing school days, they said, what would you do if you were attacked? They had been diagnosed with a terminal condition. What, were you, what would you do if you were attacked with a terminal condition like me? I said, well, first of all, I would, because, you know, they were in the hospital a lot. I said, I would, I would uh, have a strong say about who came in and I allowed in the room. Because some people are full of unbelief. Amen. And besides that, I don't need time to fellowship. I need time to get with God. So I'm not in here to have a, you know, fellowship time with all the relatives. If you got some faith and can help, fine. But, but otherwise, I need, I need some faith. I need to build myself up in faith. You know what bothers me? And I've been to the hospital room. People are diagnosed with some kind of terminal condition. And I go in there. I'm, I'm coming down the hall. And I, and I can, in fact, I figure, where's that noise coming from? And I find out it's their room. They got the TV on there and they're blaring. And they're watching a game show. I know immediately I'm probably not going to be able to help them. They're not serious. Woo, pastor, you're getting mean. Yeah, on the devil. I'm getting mean on unbelief. 
You got to decide if you're going to do what it takes to live or not. Do you want to live or not? Do you want to be free or not? Amen. Praise the Lord. So I don't have time. Brother Hagin, remember what he said whenever uh, he was diagnosed, you know, three, really he had three terminal conditions on his deathbed as a teenager, 16 years old, I believe. He had a deformed heart. He had an incurable blood disease and paralysis. His whole upper, I don't know if he talked about it all the time, but his whole upper chest was deformed. His heart wasn't beating right. They drew blood and it looked yellowish. It didn't even look like blood. He had an incurable blood disease. And uh, nobody in his condition had lived past the age of 16 or 17 or something like that. And uh, people, and, and so he got saved. Of course, he had been to hell twice. Remember that whole account? And so then the third time up, I think it was, two or three times, he went down there to hell. And the third time up, I think it was, he called on the name of Jesus. Because he thought, I belong to the church. I thought he thought he'd be okay just because he belonged to the church, but he'd never been born again. So anyway, he said, uh, he got, he got, he got uh, saved. And uh, so after that, he said, where's my Bible? And they kept bringing his Bible to him. And he, he was only able to, uh, for a couple hours or maybe, it wasn't very long in the morning, to, he had such paralysis he could only, for an hour or two in the morning, I think it was, move his hand enough to turn pages in the Bible. And he spent all his time in the Bible that he could. And the, the relatives thought that, uh, I don't know why I'm on this, it's totally away from my notes tonight. But the relatives thought uh, he's going, he's getting kind of crazy. The only things he's reading is the Bible. And they said, don't you want to read something else? And he said, no. He said, and then they sent the doctor in. And the doctor, they thought the doctor, because they thought maybe he's kind of, you know, the condition is going to his head or something. It's not, he's going a little bit nutty. He didn't want to read anything else. Didn't want to read a novel. Didn't want to read a, you know, back then they called the cartoon pages in the newspaper, the funny paper. He said, I didn't. Don't you want to read the funny paper? No. And the doctor said, well, don't you want to read a novel or something like that? He said, no, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> All day laying in bed and doesn't have time. Why am I on that? I don't know why I'm on that. Amen. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. According to what you want. How, 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 much, how bad do you want it? There, are, there is a spiritual house and there is a natural house. Set your spiritual house in order. Brother Hagin said this. He said, uh, when, your spirit is, when, when you get your spirit where it needs to be, then he said, your body will respond. In other words, it will respond to, you, the, to, the, to the, condi- the good condition of your spirit. A healthy body comes out of a strong spirit. Proverbs says that. Proverbs 18. I don't remember the verse, but particularly the Amplified. A a healthy body comes out of a strong spirit. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and infirmity. Weak and wounded spirit who can raise up and bear. Norval Hayes said this. I'm trying to close. Norval Hayes said, the problem with some Christians is that the reason they're having so much physical condition is that they're, they're li- their, their body is living with a weak spirit All right. All right. and it's living with weak faith. Too many distractions. Yeah. Brother Hagin didn't have time for the word. People today don't have time for, I mean, uh, I mean didn't, he didn't have time for anything but the word. People today don't have time for the word because they're busy with everything else. Yeah. 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 Come on. 
It doesn't matter who the latest new singer is or the latest new song or the latest, the latest movie. Next year, everybody will forget about it anyway. Why, why is it a big deal? Oh, praise God. All right. So thank God we came to church tonight. Everybody still glad? Woohoo! Praise God, Pastor. Oh, yeah. Set your spiritual house in order. Praise God. Address unresolved issues in your spiritual life. I encourage you when God talks to you to write things down. Because you can go on and, and get busy or something and kind of get away from what he said. And then, but if you write them down and then just kind of regularly go back to them, you'll go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been walking in the light of that right there. Well, God's not like a politician just saying something until you can go forget it because you're not going to do it anyway. He means what he says. You're awake tonight, right? That's all true. They go, yeah, anyway, so we'll just forget about that. Um, how about when he's dealing with you about fleshly habits? Distractions, unforgiveness, disobedience to walking in love. Address those unresolved issues that keep bothering your conscience. Amen. Just keep shouting real loud and I won't think it's you. I'll just think it's just me, you know. I'm preaching to myself tonight. Now, too often people wanna, want things to come into order in their natural life, but without setting their spiritual house in order. There's unresolved issues on the inside that God's dealt with, but they haven't done anything with it. Brother Hagin said one time, the Lord said to him, because he had been talking to him about uh, a particular part of his call, and uh, God had spoken to him about it, and he knew all about it. And he wasn't doing anything with it. And the Lord came to him one day and said, uh, what are you going to do about what I said to you about your call? He said, how many of you know you may as well be honest because no use lying. God knows when you lie. Brother Higgins said, I wasn't planning on doing anything about it. At least you won't get swatted for, for lying. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing anything about it. He said, well, you're going to have to or else. Now, that wasn't God threatening him, nope. you know, I'm going to smack you or something. No, God doesn't. He's a good God. But he's just simply saying that'll get you on Satan's territory. And the devil will take care of the smacking. Amen. Now, um, whoa. just write down Isaiah 58, verse 8. Isaiah 58, verse 8. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and your health will spring forth speedily. Light, there's a connection between light and healing. What is light? Light is anything God's illuminating your inner man about, talking to you about, and showing you in the word or just by the spirit of God. Um, but notice there's a connection between light and healing. We always think of healing as laying on of hands, and rightly so. That's, that's part of it. But you can have people, there's, there's certain things that won't replace walking in the light. Laying on of hands won't replace light, walking in the light. Making good confessions of faith won't replace walking in the light. Um, uh, having somebody pray for you won't replace walking in the light. Amen? 
I would emphasize, if, 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 if I were uh, somebody in a constantly sick condition, I would go to God and say, Father, I need to refocus my faith. Not so much on healing, but on light. What light, what am I missing? What light am I either turning away from or I just haven't understood it yet? Are you still there? Yes. Because people uh, emphasize the wrong thing sometimes when it comes to healing. To them, the big deal is the healing. To God, the big deal is the light he's been shining on your heart. The eyes of your heart. He keeps enlightening your heart too. Or maybe it's light that we, you just didn't want to pay any attention to. That. Amen. When a man sees what he needs to see, understands what he needs to understand, and then walks in the light, healing will come. Matthew 13, 15. That's what Matthew 13, 15 says. These people's ears, they're dull of hearing, their eyes they've closed at the same time. They hear with their ears, see with their eyes, understand with their heart, be converted, and I should heal them. Notice healing's not always connected to laying on of hands. Sometimes it's walking in the light that we got from God. Amen. And guess what will happen? Health, will, the natural realm will spring, will respond to that. That's what Isaiah 58, 8 says. Your light will spring forth as the morning. And when you walk in that, then the health springs forth speedily. It doesn't take long. If it's taking long, it's a light issue. Amen. 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 Or what we're doing with the light issue. Amen. I am constantly amazed in my life that whenever I make the spiritual adjustments, he's talking to me about making how spiritual things lurch forward. The blessings lurch forward. The plan lurches forward. Things start working that weren't working. (laughs) Amen. Well, stand with me to your feet. Praise the Lord. Sometimes the light is just the light of walking by faith. We're not minimizing that. But I think some of us are going through too many motions for so long and nothing's happening. It's time to start saying, God, I got to turn my face to the wall. Yes, that's right. That's right. Come on. Say amen, somebody. Praise God. It doesn't always include correcting ourselves, but sometimes there's things God's dealt with us about that we didn't, that we didn't really think was that important, you know. What are you going to do about that? Well, I wasn't planning on doing anything at all. Well, that, that starts affecting it. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes the results of that don't show up right away. Because why? God's a merciful God. He's given us, you ever read in the Bible, Revelation 2? There's space to repent. Space to repent. I'm just enjoying this for myself tonight. I might, I might go listen to this and say, okay, everything you preached, uh, you're going to do that, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember 1 Corinthians 11? Not discerning the Lord's. For this cause, not discerning the Lord's body, we sickly died prematurely. There's a cause sometimes. Healing's not always spelled the same way. Sometimes there's a cause. That's not condemnation. That's God trying to get us back on the territory where Satan can't touch us. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Our testimony needs to move from divine healing over into divine health. That's what that is. Touches them not. That's divine health. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, I'm a lot further along than I used to be. Amen. <laughs> Praise, God. Praise God. So uh, when times of physical attack, set your heart and your faith on light. Yes. light. Light. That's what James 1 is all about. Yes. It's about, remember James 1 of any, uh, James chapter number 1, any man uh, overtaken with a test or a trial. He says that, you know, pray the prayer of faith, yeah. so forth. Yeah. But then he says, if you lack wisdom... Ask of God. Yes. Ask of God. So in the context of praying and, and receiving from God, if you lack wisdom is what God knows about the situation. Yes, sir. Do you know that? Yeah. That's, that's what God wants to say to you about the situation. And let me see. Let me say this. Every issue has a key issue. Yes. In other words, every, every test and trial, every attack of the enemy has a key issue. When you address the key issue, bam. It gets stopped. It might be just believe you receive, but that might not be the only key issue. It might be, you know, the way you've been saying, saying things to your wife and how she's just been nagging you and you haven't been, you haven't been even wanting to listen to her. That was, that was free ahead of time. No, I mean, you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll stay out of your business. You stay out of my business. We'll smile at one another and leave here happy tonight, right? <laughs> Years ago, I told you the story. I, I was driving from one, I preached at a church series of meetings. I don't think, I don't think Pastor David was there with me for some reason, but um, finished that series of meetings. Pastor said, you want to do breakfast before you leave in the morning? Sure. We sat at breakfast and we criticized the minister at breakfast and talked about him. And then we went on our, I went on my merry way to the next place. It was only an hour and a half drive or so, maybe, maybe less. And um, on the way, I got supernaturally sick. I mean, just within minutes, I'm, my nose is running, my head's tight, you know, throat's scratchy and stuff. <clears throat> and I said to myself, when I get down to the check-in down here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuke that. I don't know why we think we got to wait and do it yeah. down there. But, <laughs> but I got there, and I checked in, and I put my bags down, and I knelt down on the... I just got my Bible out, and I said, Father, the Bible said, here, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, and I'm going to resist the devil. He said, you're only quoting to me half of that verse. You remember me telling that story? Yes, sir. Uh, so I backed up. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. And I started arguing. No, Lord, I, this was right after he had said to me, you were being unwilling traveling in the traveling ministry. I said, Lord, I got willing. He said, how many? And he just ignored me. He's acting like I didn't even say that, that I got willing to travel in the ministry. He just ignored me. He said, how many times have I talked to you about criticizing ministers? In fact, I went in after a number. I, I went in about a year after preaching, uh, a year of traveling. I'm trying to quit. Y'all are just pulling it tonight. <laughs> I blame you rather than me, right? And I, I, after about a year of traveling in ministry, I went in and talked to Brother Keith Moore. And I said, he said, how's it going? You know, because we had help there in healing school and he knew us. And I was telling him about the traveling ministry and so forth, how it's going. I said, I have a question. I said, uh, this is one thing that bothers me. I said, preachers talk about other preachers critically all the time. I said, do they do that in front of you? He said, yeah. I said, what do you do? He said, uh, I just don't say anything. And that says a lot. Well, it was bothering my conscience, but I got lured into talking about preachers. You've never done that at breakfast. You've never had pastor for breakfast just for lunch, right? I know what I'm addressing. I know what's going on in some, I know there's one home right now. I'm just, just trying to get you healthy. So, so I said, Lord, I, 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 he said, how many times have I talked to you about 
talking about preachers. Oh, I saw where it was going. I got down. <clears throat> I said, Lord, forgive me. I started repenting. I ended up on the floor, laying on the floor with a box of hankies that was there. And just, I, I was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just realizing how much I had missed God. Yeah. And, uh, hello. <laughs> Heaven is gloriously shining on this service. <laughs> Hallelujah. Confirmation to somebody, you know. Light, light. Praise the Lord. And uh, so I repented and got it right. And by the time I got, you know, the hankies, I used all the hankies. Uh, <clears throat> I'm laying there and just thinking about, my goodness, I got I to gotta put my foot to this. Even when I'm tempted, other pastors are speaking wrong, you know, and I'm laying there and then I started kind of getting up and I started thinking, what was I even here for? How? Oh, that's right. I came for my healing, but it was all gone. Amen. It was all gone. See, it was the wrong thing that opened the door to it. Getting that right. See, a spiritual thing. Getting a spiritual issue right. Fix the natural issue. Is that possible that any of us still have to deal with some spiritual issues? Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We all just examine ourselves. We let you talk to us. Father, anything, there's I'm sure many things that I haven't even said that you're talking to our hearts about. We respond. We don't act like those children, Jesus, that you said in the marketplace, they cry out to the people and say, we sang funeral music to you and you didn't mourn. We sang wedding music and you didn't dance. Father, they were just saying, no matter what, what is said, they were a generation that would not respond. We're not going to be that way. We respond, Father. We respond. We make those adjustments right here tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> if you need to talk something over, just talk it over right now. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. <clears throat> I'll do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not only did Satan desire to have your wife, but he desires you. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Spirit of God will show you what to do to not get distracted. Distracted from that which would get the word into you and make you, because of that, if you yielded to that distraction and the word didn't get in, it would make you insufficient for what God has for you in the years to come, in the days, months, and years to come. Hallelujah. So stay, focus, stay focused on what's coming up out of your spirit, not what moves your soul. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus. And stay steady. Not in a hurry, but steady. 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 And anything that's God today will be God tomorrow and next month and the month after that and even next year. You don't have to get in a hurry. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. I've learned something. I've learned something that God knows. Well, let me put it this way. The devil knows exactly what button to push in each one of our lives. What area to work on in each one of our lives. To keep us from responding to God. Amen. So I know what areas I need to keep shoring up in my life. How about you? You got to keep shoring it up, keep shoring it up. I can't afford to be lazy spiritually anymore. Because it costs me too much. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. 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 Amen. 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 Praise God. Tell your neighbor, thank God for the word. Hallelujah. Did God talk to your heart about anything tonight? Are we responding to it? How are we responding? Blah, blah, blah. Or are we going to... See, I encourage you to go write some of these things down. Go write some of these things down. I got a whole section of things I have written down. And sometimes I go through them and I get on my knees. I say, Jesus, you're going to have to help me. Amen. And he does. But I have to walk in the spirit, not get distracted by the flesh and stuff like that. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's shout before we go. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Father, this is not a negative thing. This is a positive message. It keeps us on the territory where Satan can't touch us. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. There's nothing like living where there's the blessing. I, I said this way, living under the spot where the glory comes out. Praise God.